Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Extra Inch, your second in a week. We're spoiling you. My name is Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. All right, mate. Boys, before we start, I need to to hit you with a a non-football question. Um, about towels, actually. It, it was my it was my birthday at the start of this month. Thank you both for your cards and gifts. That was really kind of you. <laughs> this is awkward. Um, <laughs> and my my sister got me some really luxurious towels. They're they're great. They're they're the kind of towels you'd get in a nice hotel room. Um, but they're black, and every time I use them, my bathroom is covered in towel fluff. What what does one do to stop this happening? I've tried tumble drying them like five times. Mm. You got um, you got to get a sister who isn't so tight and buys proper towels. They're they're look honestly they're they're proper they're they're proper towels they're expensive. They're ones. like they're too nice they're like impractically impractically nice towels yeah you just got to like shove them away in the cupboard and never touch them again yeah or, or wash them. Well, this is it. I googled it today and um, someone said to wash them in in uh, white vinegar. So I I did that this morning. It's and... not a poached egg, mate. Well, this is it. Now I've got. Like towels that smell like a fish and chip shop, fish and chip shop, Jesus. and I'm still fluffy. I've got like chunks of fluff in my stubble. It's not good. Anyway, let's talk about Spurs. Um, we played Burnley this weekend, a resurgent Burnley. We're playing them at a bad time, really, aren't we? Um, let, let's talk a little bit about, about Burnley in general. But there's a couple of points I want to touch on: um, goalkeeper and then also how they've changed things up in the second half of the season so far. But Bardi, what are, you, what are your general thoughts on Burnley as a team and um, and their tactical style under Sean Dyche? You, you kind of stole my thunder there because today when I was thinking about them, I couldn't get my head past Joe Hart and he just seems to be a really bad goalkeeper now. And their kind of form match the fact that Joe Hart was in goal and we've seen a bit of a turnaround in their in their results since um, Heaton came back who's um, an excellent goalkeeper as he showed last year when he he went to the World Cup didn't he when he broke into the England squad 
And I, I think that's made a huge difference having a solid goalkeeper, especially when you rely on that kind of um, back three of Tarkovsky, me and a good goalkeeper. So his, um, his form and return to fitness has been key. And Nathan, what are your kind of um, initial thoughts on on Burnley as a as a tactical unit? Yeah, they, they they're quite interesting. They get sort of lumped in um, with sort of the other more defensive, you know, English sides. But Dyche does things quite differently, quite interestingly. Um, and one of those particularly interesting things is that he he uses his goalkeeper in an interesting way. And there's not a lot of managers you can say that about, especially defensive sides, in that. He sort of invites the shot, but then um, I don't know how to phrase this. He 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 invites bad shots so that mm. um, historically his keeper can make a bunch of of easy saves, um, and that's worked under a number of keepers, but it hasn't worked with Joe Hart at all. Um, I, I maybe Joe Hart is just really terrible now. Um, it seems like a very dramatic fall off, but it might just be that he's. He's not a fit to that style of making a bunch of of easy invited saves, whereas um, whoever it is they've switched to now um, is is putting it back together, and they're they're sort of returning to being classic Burnley. Yeah, I think um, I think Nathan's point is right that they will kind of surrender certain areas of the pitch and just invite someone to have a, a kind of speculative shot. Because I think last year the centre backs and Cork had really high kind of blocking stats. So it's definitely a, a game ploy of this. They're very um, tight centrally, so they they are incredibly narrow. They play with uh, traditional four four two at the moment, and they use Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes um, up front, who are both players capable of dropping into midfield, and and they often do um, to apply pressure to to midfield build up play. Um, Dwight McNeil, who will come back to in a second, and uh, and Jeff Hendrick currently, although that that might change for this game. Uh, they they tuck in and they essentially track the winger of the opposition back, allowing the full, their fullbacks to be even deeper and, and even more narrow. So they're, they're in some ways they give up wide areas and allow crosses and then hope to defend those crosses. And they've got in me and Tarkovsky two players absolutely adept at defending crosses. Well, um, there was an interesting article on Statsbomb which Mike Goodman wrote, particularly about Joe Hart and the way that Tom Heaton's replaced him. And what was quite interesting about that was how. Uh, f- how few crosses these goalkeepers come for and that's true of Heaton as well as Hart and I think that's partly because they do simply trust me Tarkovsky Cork their fullbacks uh, Charlie Taylor and, and um, Phil Barsley to clear the danger they're, they're all good in the air they're all solid uh, traditionally English centre centre backs and defenders so th- they will get rid of the danger and it seems to work well and then they've got sort of workers across the pitch in all other areas who who just fulfil Daish's tactical commands pretty well. Um, but I think that the turnaround in form, because they were terrible for the first part of the season, the turnaround has come with a couple of tweaks, not just uh, Heat and Verhart, but also I mentioned Dwight McNeil, his introduction and whether that was forced or not, we, we might come back to. And also Ashley Barnes getting a sustained run. Um, Nathan, you, you obviously you spent some time in, in Brighton and Barnes was previously at Brighton. Did you ever get a chance to catch him? <laughs> no, I've been meaning to, I, the whole time I kept saying, oh, I need to go to Brighton game, I need to go to Brighton game. And I, I failed uh, terribly on that part. Um, he, yeah, he's, he's sort of the more dynamic of the two forwards um, with, with Wood just sort of being the, the enormous lump and Barnes sort of does the running off him and, and, and works channels and the like, but he is also capable in the air himself. He's also a complete shithouse. <laughs> That's true. Um, 
he he has a reputation for bad challenges himself, but also and arguably more importantly for winding up the opposition and, and causing them to get themselves into situations they shouldn't. And that is one concern whenever you play against Burnley. And it, it works really well. I think Barnes is very good at that. Um, and that there is value in that, particularly for a smaller club. Um, but I do, I do rate Barnes and I think he's been pretty impressive this year. Not just in the fact that he's scored seven goals in the league, but the variety of goals he's scored. He's good in the air, but he's also capable of scoring from distance. Uh, but let's talk a bit about Dwight McNeil, who I think is a complete wild card. We don't really know a great deal about him. He's only 19. Um, have either of you seen any of McNeil? I no. have looked at his numbers, which is a very nerdy thing to say, um, and, and, and seen how impressive they are. And I think Tiago mentioned him, was bringing him up to me and saying, this, there's this kid at, at Burnley who's tearing up the left wing. So tell us more about his numbers, and then I'll tell you a little bit about how I think he plays. Uh, so you've made a note here that he is top for dribbles, crosses, uh, key passes, and third in tackles for Burnley, which is quite something. It really is. Um, and I guess the tackles thing is, is classic dice. You know, he will expect a winger to work back, and that's fine. And that's one of the reasons, I guess, why he bought Aaron Lennon, because he's a defensive winger. Um, but McNeil's a really interesting player. He's So he plays wide, but he plays narrow wide, and he bursts forward. But he doesn't burst forward with explosive pace. He's not someone... He's not slow, but he's not someone who's got great acceleration. He's quite a kind of upright winger uh, who dribbles the ball well. Um, he's very direct. He'll look to try and get Ben Crosses in. He's mainly left-footed, but he's also happy to try things with his right. Um, and he commits players. And he, he's got this kind of confidence... Um, that I guess comes with being 19. And I've been incredibly impressed with not only his application, but the uh, the, the style of... the bravery on the ball and, and the style of winger he is, given that he doesn't even have particular speed, as I mentioned. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's definitely one to watch. I don't think he's ever going to be top-class kind of... England caliber winger, particularly amongst some of you know, the, some, if you look at some of the other wingers in his age group, we're thinking about Sancho and Hudson Odoi, who are elite level. He's not like that, and I don't think he will be. But he's a very interesting player, and uh, I can see him sticking around in Burnley's first team squad for many years to come. Uh, he's a good find for them. Yeah, he's he's another um, sort of member of this chain of players who have sort of dropped out of the United Academy. Um, midway through their teenage years to go to Burnley and, and find success there at a later time. Um, I think he used to play up front mostly in his academy years. Now he's transitioned to this this wider role. I can imagine that. I can I can I can actually imagine that he's he's not um, thick set. He's he's quite wiry, but he's quite tall. And I can imagine as he, when he was younger, he would probably have been able to do a good job up front. And maybe that maybe that's a transition he'll make in the future. Um, interesting player. Uh, the other, the, the other big thing we need to say about the Burnley game is it could could signal the return of Harry Kane. And we had a question from uh, Rickard, Galaxy Hero, on Twitter, who said, "Is Kane trying to get back too early?" Bardi, we've seen Kane sort of push himself back too early before, and it's been a bit of a disaster. But how do you feel about this return for Kane? Um, I, hopefully, I, hopefully, he starts on the bench. I'd like to see him given half an hour, twenty-five minutes. I yeah, he does seem to rush himself back. He wants to play every single match. But um, from what Pochettino saying, he's not going to be pushed into um, playing Kane if Kane wants to play. I mean, didn't he say something like um, Kane was wanting to play 10 days ago? So um, I feel fairly confident that the club realise his importance and um, his um, quest for the golden boot is, is, is small compared to what we're trying to do this season. And Nathan, we've got a question from uh, Javad Moverheady, who is... Um... 
the host of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast and all-round very nice guy. He said, would you start Trippier against his old club or go for Serge or Walker-Peters? Despite some of his shortcomings this season, surely he's the best in terms of delivering to the box of the aforementioned right-backs. Now, given what we know about Burnley's style and the fact that they probably almost encourage crosses and um, and try to clear them, and the fact that what Bardi said Kane might be starting um, on the bench... What what would you do stylistically, and and would you play Trippier? I don't think, yeah, as as you're right to point out, I don't think this is one where you want crossing. So if you are selecting Trippier, it's probably not for his crossing ability. But you, I mean, you're not going to rule crosses out entirely. There's always a time and a place, and and you can manipulate the team into there being a chance. But this isn't, or this shouldn't be one ideally for just sort of shelling it into the box into their sort of um, large gathering of seven foot men. Um, I'm always keen to see Kyle Walker get some minutes and being as we do have sort of um, midweek games coming up, I think there's a good excuse to sort of rotate him in for a, not an easy by any means, but an easier game of, of what we have coming. Um, having said that, I I would, I would sort of expect Trippier to start just because I think that this is one where you want sort of safe, reliable, um, no frills, no risk. Trippier will, will, will do what is asked of him um, and and what is asked of him will will hopefully open up um, the middle a little more. And are you thinking three at the back, four at the back? Are we thinking Vertonghen might play again at left wing back? Yeah, yeah, three at the back is actually not a terrible idea for this. I think that's definitely worth thinking about. Um, it depends on the other players we have available. I'm not even sure who is or isn't injured anymore because there's so many coming and going and so many games. Um, but yes, I think there's there's good reason to play three at the back against Burnley's four four two. I think um, I think this game will. I think Chelsea will be on the mind of Pochettino. I think this lineup will reflect that. I'm not sure if if Rose will play. Maybe we'll play a back four and play um, Vertonghen there. Um, I think I think the the Chelsea game will be playing on his mind, and I think we'll see a selection based with that with that game. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So let's talk a little about Chelsea. That's coming up very soon after the Burnley game. Um, there's only, what, three three days between them uh, in terms of recovery. So there is going to have to be a degree of rotation. Um, Chelsea are in a very strange place right now. I think pretty much everyone is talking about the fact that Sarri seems to be failing. I mean, he's not been there long and he's got a unique style which will take some time to implement. But with the comments he's made about not being able to motivate the team, essentially with uh, first team players letting him down and, and not doing, not fulfilling his instructions, it does in some ways seem that the writing's on the wall. 
Bardi, what have you made of Sarri so far? I know, you, I know you know a fair amount about him. Tell us, tell us first what you see his style as being, and then give us your thoughts on whether he's managed to implement it at all so far. Well, his his style is pretty much in the kind of Barcelona tiki taka way, but faster and a bit more direct, and you use quick passing to to beat to beat the press. But um, I think his failure to motivate Chelsea players isn't something... That we've seen this before. Chelsea, Eden Hazard could go a whole season in a, in a bad mood and not score a goal. They've got countless managers fired. So I understand his... Um, I can't motivate the team. And the fact that they can be quite... They, they, once they're in a bad mood, they're broken. There's some strong characters there. Um, I think Sarri was the wrong appointment for Chelsea. They're not a club who's used to giving a manager with a philosophy time. Um, there's a lot of talk about the, um, the misuse of Kante, where it's very clear that Sarri doesn't believe that Kante can move the ball quick enough, which is which is fair enough, because I don't think he can. For all his excellent skills and covering and making those tackles, he's not Jorginho. But the the problem with Sari is he should have shown a bit more flexibility, at least kind of bought himself some time instead of pushing his um, pushing his project on these players who are ill-equipped and then complaining that they don't work. There's, there should have been give and take on both sides, but this will end in a disaster. They will fire him and everything else. They'll probably promote a youth coach because that seems to be where their future lies. Nathan, I'm interested. Bardi's picked a really good point there about about Kante, and I'm interested in your thoughts there too. Um, Kante's brilliant. We know he's brilliant. He's he's been so vital for um, first Leicester and then Chelsea. He's a wonderful player. He's playing almost in the Sissoko role that we, that we've got Sissoko playing in, where previously he played as the deepest lying midfielder and he just put out fires all over the place and then you know got the move started. Where, where do you what do you think Chelsea need to do with Kante to get the best out of him? I think all they need is time. I think that um, there's a perception about Kante that you, you've. Um, perpetuated yourself just there in that people see him as, as a defensive midfielder as, as a as a number six but I don't think that is how he played in his best season for Leicester in the two-man midfield alongside Drinkwater and I don't think that's how he played in his best season at Chelsea so far which is in the two-man field um, under Conte um, it, I think the role that he's playing now is really not far from the sort of the archetypal Kante I think he's all about covering ground I think he's all about um, being proactive in his winning of the ball rather than shooting the defence he's going out there and he's winning and he's taking the ball and then he's he's intercepting with a pass and he's running he can he can really dribble for for a guy who is seen as a defensive midfielder he can really carry the ball and he's not a terrible passer either um, I, I think he's so he's playing the, the Allen role or Alan role um, mm. and I really think that he that is the player that he is. Maybe he's playing, you know, 10 yards further up the pitch than, than you would want him. Um, but that's an adjustment that I'm I'm certain that he is capable of making. Yeah, I, I would like to say this Chelsea's form isn't to do with Kante. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. I think Kante, as you say, plays that Alan role. And although he isn't, he's not Alan, he's, he's, he's an excellent midfielder. I think Chelsea's problems are in defence, obviously, that back four is is a is a mess um up front i don't think hazard is quite as in tune with um sari's way of playing like insignia was and he hasn't got a mertens in his team or a Callihan, these kind of players who who really believe in what he's trying to coach them i think hazard is a fantastic player but 
he doesn't seem he's he's too wrapped up in himself. He doesn't play for the team. He doesn't play that insignia role where he he is repetition of keep doing the same things and and eventually it will come Hazard's a bit too a bit too free. And but fundamentally the biggest issue is at um, at Napoli he had Koulibaly who's a fantastic centre back. At Chelsea he's got Louise who's all over the place, Rudiger and Alonso who's who's a terrible terrible fullback. There's a bit of stubbornness there on, on Sarri's part as well, isn't there? He's not played Christensen much, and Christensen's really highly rated by Chelsea fans. Um, I know he's made a couple of errors, but he's a young guy and he's, he's still learning the game. But he's a very good player and, and has a high ceiling, and I think he could do a good job. Um, but also, like you say, at left-back, Alonso was brilliant when they were playing a back three, and he basically just had you know half a pitch to run into, and he, he did that amazingly well but as a fullback he's severely lacking he's not natural defender and he showed that in his first spell in England in the Premier League with uh, with Bolton and he's, he's showing it this season with Chelsea um, so so Sarri's stubbornness there is not helping I my concern is that leading into our game against them they may have just stumbled into a successful formula so against Malmo uh, they played Hudson Odoi on the right, and Shotkara. He had a great game. He made nine dribbles. He made three key, key passes, and he scored a really handy goal. Um, Hudson Odoi is an excellent player, and I do slightly fear that he'll keep his place and and play against us. And I do fear for us should that happen. Um, a couple of things to mention about Hudson Odoi. Scouted football tweeted: Callum Hudson Odoi has completed the most dribbles in the UEFA Europa League this season with 25. He's only played 312 minutes. I mean, that's just insane. Um, and Opta Joe tweeted, Callum Hudson-Odoi has been directly involved in six goals in his last six starts for Chelsea in all competitions, three goals, three assists. He's a player very much on the up, um, and I, I do fear if he plays, he'll play well. Um, what are your thoughts generally, Bard? Do you think we can? Do you think we can overrun Chelsea like City did? Yeah, I think there's um, we can overrun them like City did, and we can beat them how Manchester United did. Um, the the goal that Pogba scored in in the FA Cup reminded me a lot of um, a kind of a Dele Alli goal against Chelsea. I think um, for as much as Hudson Odoi is a promising and, and dangerous attacker, I think there's bigger weaknesses elsewhere. But of course, as we know, Chelsea do tend to raise their game when they play us, as quite a few London teams do. So that's always an issue, but. I mean, we we should be too strong for them and their current way of of playing, and it would be it would be great to heap more misery upon them. We had a question from uh, Ian Hart, who is Ian K Hart on Twitter. Nathan, I'm going to give this one to you. He says, "How do you think Poch will slash should manage squad rotation this week, given the tricky games coming up?" I mean, we've not seen a huge amount of rotation other than enforced rotation over the past few weeks. I guess it's because we've had so many injuries that we've just been playing whoever's whoever's available. Uh, with players coming back now, that might change, and we've got the option. You know, Bardi mentioned that, that Kane might start on the bench against Burnley. Would he then come into your team against Chelsea? Does Lamella play a part in one of these games? Does Lucas play a part? What do we do with our central midfield? How, how do you manage this name? Yeah, I don't think it's it's one where you go, you know, this is the B team game and this is the A team game. You just want to make sort of a couple of tweaks here and there. You want to be mixed strength throughout. And as you mentioned, with players coming back, that sort of makes those moves for you. So if you know that, you know, Kane's going to be ready to play by this game, then, you know, your standing play can get two games there. Um so and yeah and we're not hugely heavy on rotation especially sort of around this time of the season um i i i think there will be rotation but i i don't think there'll be much and would you go along with that buddy 
Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It's just it's kind of finding a mix between between the two, not to go too weak or too heavy. Um, we've got a lot of rest days in March because we're not in the FA Cup, so I think there is a there, there is the option, there is the possibility there to kind of mix and match it. I think Kane will probably start both games on the bench, and if he can pull an hour of football out of the two matches, I'd be I'd be happy and then kind of confident of him starting the North London derby. And I think there's probably a core group who will start both matches. So I'm thinking Alderweireld and Vertonghen. I'm thinking Winks and Sissoko. And I'm certainly thinking Hillman Son, who is just in the most outrageously good run of form. I'm really hopeful about Son against Burnley. Um, if they defend their, their penalty area and they and they keep players narrow, we might be reliant on long shots. And, you know, with Son's ability to shoot from outside the box with both feet, that's that could be a route to goal for us. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping that that's uh, an early an early long ranger from Son could settle a few nerves and, and that might be a way to, to break Burnley down. Yeah, we don't score early against Burnley very often. So I think patience will be the key to... Um... To, to keep to keep playing and just just wait for our opportunity because eventually we will get it and it's about taking it when it arrives and not snatching it. Yeah, exactly. It's just about uh, taking those moments when they come along and, and being clinical. And to be fair, we've seen that in recent games. We really have seen that in recent games um, through Ericsson, Son and others. Um, we have a couple of questions. Firstly, I'll start with uh, Brian Daly, who is BAS Daly with no E on um, Twitter. He says, if Christian Eriksen leaves this summer, could you see Kane dropping back to occupy the 10 role when we don't replace Christian? It's a beautifully cynical question. Very Spursy. Uh, Bardi, what do you make of that? Could we play with Kane to the 10 and Son spearheading the team? No, no, it's just it's just a bad idea. I love Kane, but no, no. And is that more due to the fact that you prefer Kane to be up front or the more that, or more due to the fact that Ericsson's not really a 10 anymore? He's kind of a, he's an eight, eight and a half. It's more to do with the fact that I don't want to sell Ericsson and then just replace <laughs> him with nobody. <laughs> that I don't even want to Levy or Pochettino to even consider that option. Just if we sell Ericsson, replace Ericsson. And Nathan, going along with Brian's kind of cynical view that we might not replace Ericsson, how, how do you replace him from within the squad? I guess that means Lamella starts more often and you have to hope that he can be consistent for a longer period of time. Or it's more about, a, a, we have moved to a three-man field already, um, but I, I was seeing that as more temporary, but maybe that sort of becomes a more permanent thing and, and Winks becomes um, the most attacking eight and, and he becomes the, the force of creativity. I think with regards to Kane, that he, he sort of has played, maybe not as a number 10, you might say, but he has played as sort of the second striker a lot this season. Um, and that is a good role for him, but it's, it's not the same as as a Christian Eriksen, he's not, you know, the the the, the creative playmaker who who runs the entire game. Um, he, you know, he can create chances. He's got an, a hell of a pass on him and a three ball on him, and, and and he can carry the ball as well. But he's not he's not a Christian Eriksen at all. Strangely, I can actually see him playing as a ten as he returns to injury because it's probably slightly less yeah. running, um, and then other players around him can do some of that running for him. So that that might work quite nicely as he recovers. But um, yeah, I tend to agree that if Ericsson goes, we just have to replace Ericsson. It's, it's almost essential. Um, and another question from John Steggles, lovely John Steggles, who is JW Steggles on Twitter. He says, "Is two window ban? Is the two window?" Transfer ban for Chelsea, that much of a punishment given how Spurs have coped with their own self-imposed transfer embargo. Buddy, I'll let you go first on that one. 
And I mean, if they're going to stick with Sari, then it's it's terrible because they, if they believe in him, they need to give him the players that he can work with. So in that sense, it's bad. But maybe it's also um, something that you would like a lot, an opportunity for Sari to take a good long look at the players that are out on loan. God, I even sound like your, your jingle there. <laughs> <laughs> Have a look at the players on loan and the youth players and see if they can step up and fill those um, positions currently occupied by Pedro, William. Barkley and that kind of stuff. And Nathan, uh, I mean, if we if we start thinking about Chelsea, perhaps bringing through some of these talented youngsters, I mean, honestly, they they could basically, if if some of these youngsters got opportunity, they could end up filling the England squad with half of their talent because there's so much. There's a proper conveyor belt of Chelsea uh, youth talent. But are there any young players that particularly um, take your fancy in Chelsea's? Uh, academy and who well who are currently out on loan i guess yeah there's several um so tammy abraham uh mason mount um they've got um so do you remember a long time ago uh i think it i'm gonna get the names messed up but it was josh mckechran um he got like two or three games uh for chelsea and there's a lot of excitement about him and then he just sort of vanished and disappeared he has a younger brother called george mckechran um and he plays a very similar game and they have a chance to sort of get it right this time um but that that's more down the line um yeah there's they, uh, Ruben Loftus cheek is still sort of largely on the sidelines um a lot of people are making this comment saying that you know the transfer ban could be a blessing in disguise it could enable them to finally dip into just the incredible um string of talent that they have um but Sarri is notoriously bad at bringing young players through and, and rotating at all um they should this should enable them to um bring young players through but i still feel they may well not do i feel like the only way it will happen is if Sarri yeah. is sacked and the transfer ban stands. I mean, if they appeal and they have a, a summer window where they can spend, I imagine they will just spend yeah. like mad. And it, 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 in many ways, it will make the situation worse for the young players because they'll probably stockpile knowing they'll have a future ban to deal with. Um, but the, if, if, if needed, the talent is there. Uh, Jada Silva, who's on loan at Bristol City at the moment, is a really good left back. I think he would do a better job defensively than than uh, Alonso currently. Um, you've mentioned some other fantastic players there already, um, and there's there's many more besides. So Chelsea have talent within the squad if it's used properly and, and developed properly. And if I guess if if this ban happens long term, it could actually be a benefit. But of course, Chelsea are not a club who plan for the long term; they are short term success. And to be fair, they've they've had that, and they, it's worked to a degree. Right, boys, thank you very much for the preview. Enjoyed that very much. Um, let's hope we let's hope we win both. My my suspicion is we'll win one, draw one, but I, I I'd probably take that at this point. Um, you can follow us. Bardi is at Bardi TFC. Nathan is at Nathan A Clark. I'm at Windy Coys. If you want to email us, you can do so at the extra inch at the fighting and we're on Twitter at the extra inch. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. It's the fighting clock. It's the fighting. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.